You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Tell me you love me. I need a good laugh. I'm holy water. You need a good bath. Whiskey and perfume. You had a nightcap. Now how about that? I've got a new friend. A perfect stranger. He's got a bullet with your name in the chamber. With Jay Dubs and Rocky. And Nora. We're broadcasting live from the Podcast Detroit Studios in Rockin' Royal Oak, Michigan. Be sure to find us at podcastdetroit.com. What time is it? It's Nooner time. Better bring me a mirror. Happy Hump Day! Happy Hump Day! Oh boy, we've been cracking up. I yeah, know our, our, our pregame already. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little wild. It's so funny. Oh Woo. boy, I hope Woo. everybody's ready for today. I, I take know. my jacket yeah, off. I know. And that's <laughs> the only thing we want you to take off. Okay. That's right. Oh, take it off. Take it off. Get out of here. Oh my goodness, this is so funny. Yeah. Well, we should start the so, show now, yeah, right? Because yeah. <laughs> it's not about us. <laughs> All right. Okay, wait. Okay. Yeah. So my daughter surprised me. She came home from Ireland. It was so sweet. Wait, from where? Georgia? She came from Georgia. She's about, um, she's in Valdosta. She's about 30 miles from the board, Florida border. So she's oh, cool. like Now, when did she yeah. come in? She got here on Friday. So uh, kept the husband and kids at home? Yes. Just got in her car? Well, the kids didn't want to come. Okay. They're, they're like, we want to relax. Like, her, kids, her kids are, yeah. So <laughs> anyway, they I didn't come. So she drove by herself. And we were like, don't. Wow. That's okay. Don't drive because of the holiday and all that. You know? Yeah. So don't drive. So she's like, I'm going to drive. So she surprised me. And nice. we had a, a great time. I mean, it was How like. How long did she stay? She was here. Well, she left on um, Monday. Oh, wow. Monday so afternoon. Just a couple days. Because she had to be back at school because she, she's going to school to be an esthetician. Yeah. So oh. she had to be, and she couldn't miss any more days. So she had to be back to school. So she's like, Mom, just leave a note and, and come with me. You know, because she's like, I don't want to go back. <laughs> leave a note. So, you know, I was thinking about it, but you know, I didn't. You were off three weeks. Yeah, because I didn't want Jackie to yell kill you. At me. That's right. Yeah, she would come down mm-hmm. there and drag you she's by your hair so back up weeks. here. <laughs> So anyway, so she leaves and I'm like, okay, so call me, you know, as you're down the road. So she calls, I think it was about seven. She's in Ohio. She's like, mom, I can't get out of Ohio. I've been here like two hours. I was like, what? Why? So she got stopped by the, by the police. They get a ticket. Then she got stopped again. She got a ticket. She's a speed demon. Okay. Oh, Rocky. Yeah, she's a oh, speed look, demon. Rocky. I That's knew we were related. So, so. so the, the <laughs> officer goes, you were going 80, 81 or something. She I goes, I was speed. not going 80. She said, I was probably doing 79. I wasn't doing I'm like, <laughs> 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 how dare you? I'm like, so I'm all worried. You know, mother oh, worried. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, just just calm down. And then there was a, a storm. You know, oh. there was, there was um uh, uh they had. Said there was going to be a tor- tornado and all oh of that. Oh my god! So she, oh, was, she was like, driving through yeah, that? yeah. So mm-hmm. she was nervous. She was like, I might have to pull over. And I'm like, you know, get a room or something. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, and she's she, she. We get off the phone. I'm like, concentrate on what you're doing and stop speeding, right? So we get off the phone and I'm looking at the news, <laughs> and there was this. Um, this is the next day. Because she actually got to Kentucky, and she's like, I'm in Kentucky. I pulled over. I'm at, in a room. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. so she didn't make wow. it back for school or anything. Wow. Oh, no. So anyway, I was just glad she was safe. So I'm looking at the news, and, and the, there's an anchor in um, uh, Ohio, 
uh, not Toledo. I forget where it was. Dayton. Okay. It was Dayton. So he, he's on TV and he has a meltdown because they had to break into the bachelorette. What? To announce that this bad weather was coming and stuff. And so people were on Facebook attacking him because they're like, put the bachelorette back oh on. Oh, my God. He's like, he's like, oh, my God, I'm trying to save people's lives. And you guys are ridiculous. And I mean, he just he went, said that. Yeah, he just went air? off. He, he oh, went oh my God. He was like, no, I'm not going. But we're not going back. You know, I'm trying to tell people, you know, oh and my- it was a bad tornado. So wow, and people were mad because yes, of the... because he broke in from Bachelorette. Oh my like, god! Oh my gosh! And he just—I can't stand those shows. I know. Me I either. honestly I like, like, like it's Ohio. What else do they have to do? Yeah. <laughs> 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 he said the same thing. Jackie Ohio. said the same thing. It's like what else? Did... And so my daughter's like, we were like. Ooh, everybody wants to get out of Ohio, right? Yeah. It's like, I can't get out of Ohio. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. So that, that was the fun time. Then I'm looking at Inside Edition or one of those shows. Mount Everest. Oh I know you guys gosh, heard yes, about this. Yes, this has been crazy. Oh, yeah. Did you see the line of people? Yes, yes It's crazy. It's, do you know they have to pay $11,000 <gasps> for a permit? They do. No, I, did not I was know like, that. Wow. so no wonder, you know, they're they're like, here, here you go, here you go. They don't yeah. care. There's this line of people, and then these people are dying. Oh yeah, and, and they can't get them down, so they have to step over them yeah. as they're yes. climbing up. Right. Okay, my question to everyone. Uh oh. <laughs> Who in the hell cares? <laughs> Not me. About climbing. What's up there? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I get it. I, you I get do. it. I get it. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, I get it. I don't get Why it. would you do it? I, I don't. I don't think I do Everest because it's like too much. But I, I definitely like Mount Kilimanjaro is on my bucket list to climb in Africa. That's like, what I'm I, saying. Why don't they go there? Why is everybody trying to? Because Everest is the highest peak in the I world. I understand that, but it's like you're stepping over dead bodies. I mean, that I don't get. Do like, they leave those bodies there? No, they, they bring ha- them. They bring, bring them down, down the but they can't they bring them down right now. You know, so oh, they're wow. just like landing. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. I and saw that too, and I was like, I would be traumatized. The guy if that I just died, he was an attorney. I forget where he was from, but he made it all the way to the top. Yeah, he died on the way back. Yeah, he did. Well, here's so crazy. And then the people they're sitting there with the um, what do you call it the air tanks, and because it's such a line, they you can run out of air. Well, that's why they have to go so fast, and they they can't bring people down. You can't. I've actually been there. You can't take extra time. You climbed it. I did not. I did not go all the way up. Everest didn't interest me at all. Yeah. It's a trash heap on the way up. It's just such a mess, and yeah. there's so many people. And oh, wow. and to me, this Everest is, is the least interesting mountain. Yeah. In, in Asia, um, I went up to Annapurna um, over by the lower tip of Tibet. Mm-hmm. But wow, um, those are people who are just obsessed with what they do. They do yeah. it. They literally do it because it's there. I mean, it, they're obsessed with just getting that done. And but uh, I have walked over bodies. And you have. You can't bring them down till the spring. Yeah. Wow. Oh wow. I was in I an avalanche, and the it. two hikers ahead of me were buried and. Wow. Oh my. It was just Gosh. it was just a, a flat plain of mm-hmm. a meadow of flat fresh snow. There was no sound, no yelling, no screaming, no way to look for where they were. Mm-hmm. Just we knew we were walking over them and there was just nothing to be wow. done. Wow. wow. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. No, I couldn't oh. Nope. I was just uh-uh. like yeah. that's just does nope. not I, I don't I just don't yeah. understand. No. I, I could use that eleven thousand. But then yeah. I'm looking at all those people <laughs> lined up. And, up and I'm like, each collect. one, eleven thousand, eleven thousand, mm-hmm. eleven thousand. Oh, yeah. Like so they just keep on issuing issuing um permits. permits. Wow. Well you just sell tickets to a new experience. Yeah. Climb, climb Nora. Yeah. <laughs> don't give her any ideas. Twenty thousand. Yeah. Don't even have to leave home. Yeah. <laughs> don't need a passport. <laughs> Climb Don't Mount give her Nora. any ideas. Oh I'm at a Why? loss for words. <laughs> we have a new Facebook page. I know. I'm Nora. You can let them wear their oxygen masks so if that's what my, does it for them. I'm so glad my husband doesn't listen to this. Yeah. Show. He's working. Can't no crampons. Hi, Terry. Yeah. She's not going to do it. Don't, Don't worry. worry. She's going to come home with lots of money. It'll be yeah. fine. She's, uh, quit look working, the other way. Terry. It'll be fine. This is a business. Why, Nora. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. Uh, Anything We're else? We're gonna be or? laughing a lot. I know. I I know. I feel like, uh, yeah, I did have some. Oh a, yeah, you're still an like, article that yeah. I was reading yesterday, uh, but it's been all over. This guy. I didn't see it. So it says, 
Uh, the headline was "Struggling Care Worker Becomes Lord of a Sixty Million Dollar English Estate After DNA DNA Test Proves He's the Heir." So mm. this guy whose mom had a fling with this guy who was I like much older than her. I think she was like nineteen, and he was like. I don't know, in his 30s or whatever, when they hooked up, she mm-hmm. got pregnant and um, she was kind of like a, they said he was, she was a gypsy, like went from town to town with the gypsies and um, he never had a stable home, never knew his real dad. Like mm. he had a stepdad who he was told at birth that that was his dad. Mm-hmm. Then he passed away or like they broke up and then he died or something. And she said, nope, that's not your real dad. <laughs> Nope, just kidding. Yeah, basically, like, and and so, and then he finds out all these, like, so then she took him, she was like, nope, your real dad is this other guy. She took him there. He was like, get a DNA test and we'll go from there. Like, you know, so he, she never ended up getting the test. So he, I think, was like a 10 or 11 at that time. And so the guy dies in the guy, like the, um, it was the guy who, um, he wasn't like, he was the what do they call it when the power of attorney oh, okay. said, mm-hmm. you know, there is no heir. If you take a DNA test, his the guy's mom was still living, but she had dementia. So she had no power over anything. She didn't mm-hmm. know what was happening. And so he said, get a DNA test. And if you're the if you're the biological son, like this will be yours. So he ended up getting the DNA test. And at 30, so he had years no other old, kids. He had no other kids. Oh. And the, it, I mean, it's a sad story because like the dad lived on this estate in a farmhouse on the corner and just farmed the land around his house and sold that. But he had like drug problems and he ended up dying of an overdose. Mm. Oh, wow. And yeah. Really? So it was really, really sad. Wow. But now this guy, so his, he found out his biological dad died and then he found out that he was having a kid with his like long-term girlfriend which got pregnant. And so he was, they, you know, he was very excited to have this baby. And then a couple days later found out that he was the heir to this $62 million wow. estate in the UK. I mm. bet his girlfriend was really excited. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but I was like, wow, what a story. Pot. Like this guy, you know, like he just, no was kidding. This, like guy, he never really had a home and just yeah. went from place to place and then ended up, I'm mean, like, what a fairy tale. Like that's ending. Yeah. What a, what wow. an amazing ending to like such a crazy upbringing. Bringing, you know, no kidding. I should take a DNA test. What? What are you doing? What are you looking for? I, you know, I might be something somewhere yeah. with somebody. I might be a queen. <laughs> <laughs> you are a queen. <laughs> well, yeah, You're I'm a queen, queen but here. like a real queen, you know. Oh. I, I might be last year. You did? you did. I did. Okay, what did yeah. you find out? Well, it was kind of interesting. My, I have four brothers, mm-hmm. and uh, we're all extremely close. Uh, and my four brothers are the four funniest people on the planet. Uh, much funnier than I am, and. But my mom was a really social person. (laughs) She's what men used to call approachable. (laughs) So we thought we thought we all had the same father, and uh, he raised all of us. And and then my parents are long dead; they died, you know, thirty five years ago. And so um, we found out after my father died uh, first that um, he wasn't our father. Mm-hmm. Oh, my mom shared this tidbit with one of the sisters-in-law, and then, uh, then a couple weeks later, we found out that two of the brothers, that guy wasn't the other guy. Guy number two wasn't their father either, and so apparently, my mom was dating my father, ran off and married somebody else, had a couple of kids. The whole time, she was still seeing my father. Then she was seeing somebody else this whole time. Wow! And so. She she really had a, a social life, and so <laughs> yeah, she sure did. <laughs> well, to give you an example, when when I I was on my own uh, at seventeen and and uh, rented a house while I was in high school, I had my own house, and and so uh, when I was eighteen, I bought it, and I didn't know how to buy a house. Wow. Well, landlady was going to sell it. I figured mm-hmm. I did the math; it was cheaper to buy it. So I didn't know how to buy a house. So I called our insurance man who lived next door, and said, "Could you give me some advice on how to go through this process?" He was at my house in 15 minutes, took me to the bank, co-signed my loan. I had a mortgage, so I'm figuring my mom was doing this guy, too. (laughs) Because you don't do that for just anybody, right? (laughs) Right? 
And so last year I took a DNA test. I thought that would be kind of interesting to uh-huh. know. Well, when you take a DNA test and none of your siblings show up on it. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> like, so I thought I was like all German and I find out I'm half Irish. So the milkman's name was Mr. O'Reilly. I guess he was, I guess buttermilk was not all he was delivering to our house. <laughs> He said he loved me like a daughter. I just thought it was a figure of speech. <laughs> so I'm like Irish and five kinds of Scandinavian. It's like an al- alcoholics tour of Europe. You know? So my DNA results came with a list of every AA meeting within a five mile radius of my house. Oh, oh my God. So, funny. so yeah. Oh wow. So now I'm getting mail, like emails yeah. from all these people. That are my relatives that I've never wow. heard their names. I have no idea who they are. I actually want to do it now. When you, mm. um, which one did you do? It's because it's a few of them out there. Which I did Ancestry, and yeah. I'm actually going to do the other one, Twenty Three and Me. Okay, see just compare. Yeah. Well, let's get on with this because this is we we've got a lot of digging yeah. to do yeah. here and a lot of laughing. I know. <laughs> um, wait, wait, yeah, go ahead. You are listening to The Nooner Show. We appreciate your support. We hope you get inspired to take a leap of faith. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nooner Show wherever you listen to podcasts. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at The Nooner Show. This segment is designed to showcase the stories of talented individuals who had a wish and found a way to make it happen. They set goals, overcame obstacles, and turned setbacks into comebacks. Their stories are unique, interesting, and most of all, inspiring. All right, so I prepared a special intro. Oh my! So yes. normally we read these long introductions, and I thought because you're a comedian, I got the help of my friend Will Smith, and um, I got I got a special intro just for you. Be afraid. Be very All afraid. Right. <laughs> you guys ready? Ready. Yes. All right. I'm almost ready. <laughs> All right. This week's story's all about how her life got flipped, turned upside down. I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you all about this comedian we'll call her Cher. In Fresno, Cali, she was born and raised in the comedy club. She spends most of her days from chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool. She was sipping mimosas out by the pool, and she dated these guys who were up to no good. They had more in common than she thought they would. There was one little detail that she never saw. They both liked their men, rich, smart, and tall. Sherry Savage is her name. She's making money, laughing at once, caused her pain. Haha, <laughs> she built up a kingdom. Now she's finally there. Welcome to the Nooner Show. We're on it. Good. I'm going to sing Welcome. that every time now. I'm, 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 I'm going to just hand them. I'm going to hand them a thing. Here's my intro. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Welcome. Can you read the real one now? No, I'm only I gonna say, no. I don't even have it anymore. Right? I know. Oh my god, that that was, that was great. Oh, and, I was and cracking you know up when she sent me because we always kind of go back and forth on like the introductions and stuff, and like we always do like a bio about like our upcoming guests. And so she, there was just some of the stuff and like this, the way that you had said it in your email to her, I was like dying laughing. And (laughs) and my brother was actually, he's like, I was like writing it and he was like, no, you got to scrap the whole thing. And Uh he goes, and then you got to start. He goes, this is a story. Story And I was like, oh, that is 100% what we're doing. (laughs) Definitely the best intro I've ever had. Ever. (laughs) Well, welcome to the Nooner show, Sherry Savage. Um, so there's so much, like I said to you after I got your email, I, I told the girls here, this is like a three-part story, yes. so we're only going to get to one part today. <laughs> but we're going to start with, and I know you've told the story, but for our listeners and to set this whole thing up, you got into comedy a year ago, a little over a year ago, right? And I it did. was you and your husband were in Talk at a bar? We were at a comedy club. Okay, you were at a comedy club. Okay, we were just there the to see the show. And um, we were at this comedy club, and I was just chatting with the doorman. Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. Really nice guy named Mike Johnson, and just chatting. And he says, "You are as funny as anyone I've ever paid to be here. Would you come open the show next week?" And I said, "Well, first of all, I'm not a comedian. No desire to be one. Not, just not. not I, you have me wrong." And 
since I'm so insufferably proper, I also <laughs> said to him, besides, you should not be inviting people to do that without checking with the owner. You could lose your job. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out he was the owner. <laughs> and so I opened the next week. Okay. I got in the car and said, honey, I'm going to open the show the next week. He said, what do you mean? You're going to like greet people at the door? You- <laughs> yeah. I said, no, I'm, I'm going to perform. And, and so my husband is perpetually confused by everything I do. <laughs> he's so patient. And, and he just doesn't, you know, he doesn't let anything really surprise him anymore about me. So uh, he's just a terrific support. And I uh, learned how to be a stand-up comic in a week, opened the show the following week, brought the house down, and then – the calls just started coming. Weren't you nervous? Wow. You were I mean, no. were you well, not at all. Yeah. Wow. I, that's what I don't understand yeah. is it's not like you uh they asked you to come in and assist a comedian right. yeah. <laughs> about or watch or you're a head like you, you're, the, you're yeah. getting on stage yeah. and mm-hmm. you've never done comedy before. Mm-hmm. So what were you thinking? You were just thinking, why not? I, 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 I genetically lack this filter that says that's not a good idea. Everything sounds like a good really? idea to me. <laughs> and it never wow. crosses my mind that I can't do something. Really? Wow. It just, I, 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 no, it's not, it's not like I have this super confidence or something. It just like that doesn't cross my mind. When someone says, Hey, how about this? I'm like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's a great idea. <laughs> so it just doesn't ever cross my mind that I can't do whatever somebody says, hey, how about this? Have you always been like that? Did always. you grow up like that when you were a child? The same thing? Always. Always, always been that way. So never afraid to try anything. You don't deal with self-doubt or insecurities or anything like that? No, and I think that's a product of childhood. My parents uh, always told me how beautiful I was. I was so not a beautiful kid, but they, <laughs> I was an ugly child. <laughs> But I'm like when I was my, born, my mother, my, the doctor slapped my mother. You know, but, but my parents just always told me how beautiful I was. And they used to have me when I was a really little kid, put a, a drape of towel around my neck and walk back and forth in the living room while they would sing the Miss America pageant oh, theme song. Really? <laughs> Seriously. And so they just always told me how smart I was. And my dad used to tell me. Um, everyone is always going to be waiting for you to walk into the room. I'll never forget that. Wow, wow. really? Everyone's going to be waiting for you to walk in. Everyone's going to be excited when you arrive. And I, they, they were really neglectful in a lot of ways. And my, uh, you know, they had a lot of shortcomings. But what they did was just give me this unbelievable self sense. So. It's like a child when they're constantly told that they're nothing. Right. You know, it doesn't matter what good happens to them. They can't ever overcome that inner Mm, feeling. Right. Well, I'm the opposite. No matter what bad has ever happened to me, I can never overcome the core belief that I'm wonderful. Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) Because it was just hammered into me. Do you think they did that intentionally? No, I think that they were both also very optimistic, despite life not going very well for them. Mm Mm-hmm. They were just that. That was their mindset as well. And so now, where were you? In um, I know you said you had four brothers, right? Yes. So are you the youngest? You oldest? Or I'm the fourth out of five. Oh, okay. Uh, I was born in Van Nuys, California. My whole family was in the movie business, but mm-hmm. when I was small, we moved up to Fresno, which is right in the middle of the state. A wonderful okay. town. Wow. So it and it do your brothers have that same type of optimism or confidence? Was it the same or were you the only girl? I was the only girl and I think I was really the only one of the five of us that my parents gave that to. Mm-hmm. We both we all have very very different personalities. Uh I just bow to my brothers. They are so good and kind and so funny, but they all have worked they all worked like the same job their whole lives which I have no idea how someone does that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they work the same job their whole lives, retired, uh, all mil- all veterans, you know, all military, mm-hmm. two Army, two Navy. And and they, they did the same thing all their life and retired from that. And I am in awe of that mm-hmm. because I have never done the same thing for very long. I have a really broad skill set, endless curiosity, and I'm easily bored. So that just translates into a new career every three or four years. <laughs> Yeah, but that's like, why oh, you're. But you're, but you're yeah. not afraid. That's true. to try anything. Yeah. yeah, never have been. And mm-hmm. so, like going back to some of the the stuff that you you know told us ahead of time in your email, you were married several times. 
Um, well, yeah, you, 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 I had practice husbands. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but like, wasn't there ever a period where you said to yourself, okay, maybe this marriage thing isn't for me? No, I love I love being married. I love I've done it. I don't know how many times. Just, <laughs> she sounds like me. <laughs> I love being married, and I just made the wrong decisions. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily bad people yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah. Just I always married not Mister Right. I always married Mister Right now. You know, oh, someone who is really good for me right now. Yeah, but not the long term. And that's mm-hmm. the whole not being able to filter. Yeah, right. no filter. Mm-hmm. You're handsome, or I like you, or whatever. <laughs> you know, you're super smart. I like yeah. super smart guys. I like real sciencey, Aspergery guys. You know, great big brains. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, North thought she was going to say something else. Great big. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> great big brain. And so I just made decisions based on what I needed at the time. And which wasn't fair to my husbands. Literally, every husband I ever had said to me at the end, I never wanted to marry you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> which is incredibly hurtful. Yeah. But I had to take ownership of that. I mean, the common thread in all these husbands is me. So mm-hmm. I have to take ownership of me being the common thread in all the marriages mm-hmm. that didn't work out. Um, it, it's something with me. So. Well, so, but do, do you feel, is that something you realized later? After, after or, the last or one. After the last one. <laughs> or, so when you were going through it, how did you handle it? Like, how did you, what was the self-talk to get you through it and, and make you want to do it again? Well, I never felt like I wanted to do it again. It was like I didn't look for husbands, but they just came out of the woodwork, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, there always seemed to be a lot of them in the bullpen, you know, <laughs> on deck. You're right. <laughs> <On deck. laughs> they, they were warming up, waiting for me to be single again. I don't know. Uh, like my mom, you know, she was just a dude magnet. And that, so that happened to me. And then uh, after my last divorce, I was never looking, never intending to find anybody. I, you know, was just really happy raising my kids and, and taking care of them. And then the final husband was there, you know, right around the corner, right in front of me. And he, he's the perfect man. Wow, that's great! I, got very, I like how, very how she lucky. said the final, yeah. the final husband, mm-hmm. the final yeah. husband. The yeah, he's mm-hmm. the. I, I'm extraordinarily lucky. Mm-hmm. How many all. kids do you have? Well, kind of funny story. I have three, and I always I was pregnant ten times, and I always make a joke. Yeah. I always make jokes about being pregnant ten times, you know. Mm-hmm. And I always say, "Oh, after the third, when they just walk out, you know." But um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a slip and slide. <laughs> Go toward the light. <laughs> but um, you know, comics have this thing where, um, and I had a wonderful conversation with a local comic named Tim Finkel. I don't know if you've. Uh, had any interaction with him. He's just such a funny guy. And last time I was here in Detroit, uh, we had, we talked and he's a great comic. And we talked about this point you do during a comedy show where you get comfortable enough to talk about your inner pain and things that, you know, are, are really deep. And that's, you know, he calls that me time. And I don't share that view. I think my first, last, and only job is to help people laugh. Mm-hmm. That's it. So I don't talk about the seven I lost uh, because I I don't I don't mind talking about it. I mean, I could talk about it all day, but I just don't think that's the place. Even though it's something the audience would relate to, they would only relate in a in a place of pain. Mm-hmm. And so during a comedy show, yeah. it's just you know overwhelming grief is just not where I want to go yeah. with yeah. not where I want to take the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, but uh, yeah, I lost seven. And so I had a lot of adventures in uh, child carrying, you know, I, it was wow. a, a very interesting time. Mm-hmm. All right. So you, you um, agree to do this first show and tell us the night. What was that night? Like, what, like, what were you wearing? What did you, how did you prepare for it? Who wrote the material? Did you write it? What, Give us the whole lowdown of that first night. Oh, the first night I did comedy? Very first night. Uh, I was, uh, well, I went home. I'm I'm a writer by trade, always have been. So I do a lot of research. And I just thought, there's got to be some stuff on how to do stand-up comedy out there on the internet. (laughs) So I just like wrote a plan. You know, I, I learned the mechanics of a joke, how you write one. You did all that within a week? Yeah, that is crazy. Um, Even right down to what you wear, why comics wear black. Uh, because all the actions from the neck up. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So why you don't wear a dress on stage, uh, because your legs are distracting. 
you know, good or bad. You don't want mm-hmm. something on the south end. You want everything happening up up top. Mm-hmm. And so um, how to handle a mic, how to hold a mic, how to handle a mic, the different ways you hold it, where to put it, how to take the mic out, how to greet the audience. I just I, I literally just researched and wrote for a week and wrote down a whole bunch of my funny stories, personal stories, and made them into jokes. And memorizing is the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't do anything off the cuff. I'm super prepared. So, and I don't take notes on stage, unlike most comics. I wow. never take notes on stage. So, um, I just studied on the internet mm. and listened to what other comics had to say and their perspectives and adjusted all that and wrote a show in a week. Wow. 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 How long was your first set? Hmm? How long was your first set? Oh, it was short, five minutes. But wow. a lot of comics, they talk about having a tight five, you know. Yeah. That's like they work for years to have a tight five. Wow. And so I had a tight five in a week. And um, and and then all of a sudden, my phone was ringing and my email was blowing up. Because wow. it went out I went out on the internet and it got 57,000 views. Wow. So wow. You oh went viral. Yeah. I did. And so six weeks later, I was headlining my first show. And that's a 40-minute wow. set. Oh my god! And so I, I can't explain why that happened or how it just did. Do you ever? Wow! When you look back yeah, at how this ever. happened and everything mm-hmm. you've gone through in the past, is this a path you would have pictured yourself mm-hmm. on? <laughs> <laughs> Never. No, yeah. no. 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 I'm sure my husband thought we were going to move to Michigan and have this nice retired life because yeah. he's been retired for a long time. And I, I, I own a business, right? So, um, yeah. Tell us about that. I'm a professional organizer, and I specialize in what most people, although we don't use that word, um, are hoarders mm. and people with really severe um, disorder that allows them to not stop accumulating or not or not to get rid of things. And um, th- they're people with severe dysfunction, and mm-hmm. I really like helping them. But I also – that spills over into a lot of things. I – I work in offices, very small businesses, one or two people, three at the most, who have um, severe dysfunction. They're disorganized. Their orders are behind. Their bank account's upside down. They can't seem to get it, you know. And and so I go in, and I'm cheap and quick, you know, and good. That's a mm. rare combination. <laughs> and I just go in and swoop in and fix everything, tell them how to do it, and then I'll go back and do aftercare mm-hmm. if they need it. And, and I do the same with people with hoarding disorder. Um and I also uh, do small business consulting. I take people who do something really well and want to make a business out of it mm-hmm. oh. and w- navigate them through the startup process. And I always tell them 90% of the time, a good business plan should convince you that you should not go into business. Mm. Wow. Mm. But that's money well spent. You know, yeah. a few hundred saves you tens of thousands. Mm-hmm. Right. And relationships and time, and you know that you'll have ruined when you go down in flames. <laughs> <laughs> What's the name of that company? Uh, tidy up. Tidy oh, up. I like okay. That. I now, don't. How did you? It just how did, encompasses everything. How did you start that? I mean, how did you like say, okay, there's a a, a need for a, this? For, yeah, let me don't let me go try. Alcohol. Let me go try this. I, you know, that's pretty yeah. much sums up my life. Let yeah. me go try this. Hey, watch what I can but do. But you're not afraid to do it. That's, yeah, that's, that's the amazing. best part. Yeah. Well, I have this ridiculously organized mind and I see chaos and my mind sees order mm. and exactly how to get there quickly. And every job I've ever had. I'm like, how much? You said it was cheap. <laughs> I am cheap. And so every job I've had, which is a lot of them. Uh, I've ended up doing that, not only for the place I work, but for the people I work for. I've, I ended up going to their homes and fixing their personal problems. And so I've just always done that. Um, and that translated into startups, you know, working with startup businesses. And I've helped people start some very successful businesses that way. I've also helped a lot of people prevent throwing their lives down the mm-hmm. crapper. By what, what's usually them. the problem? What's one of the most common um, problems that you see? People who do something well don't usually realize that the business of doing that is v- not very closely related to mm. doing it. Like entertainment is a biggie sort of, right? Right. Well, I treat entertainment like – I treat comedy like a business, mm-hmm. which is I think why it's – How do you treat really it like well. a business? Well – Here's my business plan. That's your wow. business plan? That's beautiful. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so it's a roadmap. It lists everything I want to do. 
all of the things that are in the way, the obstacles that oh, I can well, foresee. She is organized. Yeah. And how, how those obstacles have to be overcome. Mm-hmm. So it lists my overall plan and every roadblock I can foresee and how, and, and my plan to overcome that. And about 30 years ago, I read this book called Profit Rx by John Haskell. Mm-hmm. And it teaches you how to do that, how to make a plan. And it works for tiny businesses, multinational corporations. It's completely scalable. And John became a friend of mine after I read this book. Oh, really? I I wrote to him, and we've now been friends for 30 years. Mm. And I've written hundreds of business plans, hundreds. And every one of them is based on this book. Really? And so it's just a roadmap. So when someone calls me and says, oh, I want you to... I want you to do a show here. Or I want you to headline here. Or I want you to do a radio show here. I want, we want to do this. My first instinct is always awesome. I can't believe I'm being asked to do that. <laughs> but then I go to the business plan mm. and say, does that really fit in with what I, my goals? Is oh. there a reason I should have a reason for doing every show? I should have a reason for doing every performance. I should have a reason for every place I go. Does it fit with that? And if it doesn't, then I don't. Really? Do wow. it. Or I have to justify according to my plan why I should. How often do you revise the plan? Uh, I revise the plan about quarterly. Oh. I'm just making notes in it. I don't mm-hmm. rewrite it, but uh, I refer to it almost daily. Every time I get an email asking me to do a show, even if I know it's something I want to do, I go to the plan and say, where does this fit? Does it compromise anything else I'm going to be doing? Mm-hmm. You know, so it always has to fit. There has to be always a has to fit, or I reason. have to justify a reason why mm-hmm. I should change. Wow! I am so Woo. blown away. My mind is just blown. Away. Okay, <laughs> just clear now you do your day. This conversation is not over. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I, I, told, young, I told you it's going to be. a yeah. <laughs> I had a young comic come up to me recently, and and I really try not to give advice because I haven't been out this very long. So I. I, you know, the comedy community is really warm and welcoming, but you have to play by the rules. And if I seem pretentious or like, well, don't act like you know it all when you don't. And I certainly don't. And respect comics who, comics who have been doing this a long time, Mm -hmm. you know, respect the institution, respect. So, so when comics come to me and ask for advice, I'm really hesitant because I don't want to seem pretentious or, uh, I, I only know what I know. I can't mm-hmm, make judgments mm-hmm. about what someone else knows. Right. But a young comic came to me recently who had been doing this for a long time and not going anywhere and asked, why are you headlining? You know, how are you headlining so soon? And I said, well, I just treat it like a business. And he got really huffy and he said, well, comedy's not a business. And I said, well, that's why you're not headlining. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Yes, that's so true. Because it is, it is a you're business. Right. People are only paying you if you're putting yeah. butts in the seats. If right. Yeah. If your goal is to work for nothing, right. which most comics do, and the audience doesn't realize that, mm-hmm. the vast majority of comics don't get paid. Right. Because they're trying to improve it's and get some like money. musicians. Yeah. Same thing. Right. Exactly yeah. Is, so yeah. if that's okay with you, I don't make judgments about that. Right. If yeah. that's okay with you and, and that, that's, you're happy doing open mics and I mean, you know, that's wonderful. It's, it's, right. it's a terrific thing to do. It's not my goal. So right. I don't see it from that way. I want to get paid for my work. Mm-hmm. So my goal is to constantly be pursuing those opportunities and getting to a point where people are happy to pay me because I'm putting butts in the seats and people are buying drinks yeah. and they're making money because it's a business. Mm-hmm. So wow. having done all the research that you've done and you've been doing it now a little over a year, um, it's, it seems like the climate is, you know, people are so sensitive today. Mm-hmm. Do you worry about that? Do you? How do you know who your audience is going to be so that you can decide how to filter? Really good question. Um, I've learned that there are certain audiences that I don't do well with. And, and I'm at the point now where I just don't play to those audiences. Um, I don't play to uh, college audiences because they're good audiences. They're just mm-hmm. not my crowd. Mm-hmm. I don't play to stoned audiences, <laughs> you know, because like I'm on joke 15 and they're just getting joke number nine. <laughs> and they're laughing in the middle of a joke because they're like, dude, did you hear what she said? And they're repeating my last punchline from six minutes ago. So um, I don't do well with that. Yeah. I do really well with a mixed audience. Um, I think if you're going to push the envelope, well, first of all, you have to have some ground rules. I never, never, never 
make a joke about something that is intrinsic, intrinsic to someone mm-hmm. that's the core of who they are. Yeah. Um, there, I, I just, I don't do it. I don't joke about people's religion. I don't joke about their ethnicity. I don't joke about their, I don't joke about their politics just because it's so divisive. Um, I don't joke about their sexual orientation. All those things. Those are intrinsic. They're yeah. not to be joked with from me. But there are a lot of other things where you can push the edge. And I think all you have to do in my, this is all just my experience, listeners. If you're a comic, don't hate me. But <laughs> I think all you have to do is get the audience on your side. You have to make them like you first. If they, if they know from what you've already done in the set that you're coming from a place of love and mm-hmm. kindness and good heartedness, they'll accept a lot and yeah. you can really push the edge. Mm-hmm. I do a joke about being roofied. (laughs) I heard that. Nothing funny about that, except I was the one who was roofied, so it's hysterical. Yeah. And so, (laughs) so I, you know, I, 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 you can push if you are, if the audience already likes you, they'll give you a lot of latitude. How do you, how do you, Mm. one, get them to like you, and two, how do you know, right, Mm. that you're being well received? Mm -hmm. Mm. Like what are your Cause, cues? Because it's not from, like there's really yeah. interaction going on. You're standing telling right. jokes. If they're laughing, they like me. Okay. Um, I the problem is when you're on stage, you can't always hear the laughter. Mm-hmm. I I often don't know if it's a good set because the adrenaline is running so fast it mm-hmm. it compromises your hearing, and you can't mm-hmm. hear. So part of my process is to I've I've learned and I'm learning to slow myself down, slow my brain down. Slow my mouth down so I can just really be at one with the audience. Mm -hmm. And when I do that, I can hear them laugh. Mm -hmm. So it works. But I start with a lot of self-deprecating material. And and I start with uh, talking to my peeps in the audience, you know, anyone over 50. Mm -hmm. I make jokes that are are, to our common. Relatable. (laughs) Relatable to our common experience Mm -hmm. about getting older. Um, And if there are a lot of women in the audience, I'll joke about um, senior sex, you know, I have a lot of jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so what, so I, and I, and you probably keep it clean here, so I won't repeat any of those, but, oh, well, like, you know, my go-to joke is, uh, about dating when you're older and, you know, how hard it is. Cause you know, to, it's really hard to find a man my age whose dick works and he can drive it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the word. I, yes. I that word. Yeah. So, so just getting on that common thread and developing that commonality, but not making everything age specific because, mm-hmm. you know, unless I'm like at a VFW or an American Legion, which I do a lot of, I really like doing uh, veterans clubs. Um, my audience is usually pretty mixed. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I, I try to just make sure that I have a commonality with the audience. Mm-hmm. But none of my stuff is very, you know, edgy. I'm, I just, I try to make it really likable and relatable. Well, when you were saying, um, you know, you don't play to college, you know, you have to know your audience. Did you ever, when you first started out, did you just take, you know, I'll take this just to see and like try, try and out? take every gig yeah, that called you? Oh my gosh, yes. Year. I'd get yeah. called to some shithole that, you know, <laughs> three people, I'd be so excited. Yeah. <laughs> so now, how long did it take you to say, you're like, oh, nope, I need She's to She's only been doing it a year. Yeah. Just yeah. It's right away. Yeah. Oh, right wow. away. I, I, so you knew right, yeah. Yeah. I did a show in Grand Rapids really early on. I was so flattered and so excited. And then I realized that particular show, and a lot of comics do this particular show, mm-hmm. no one is there to listen to comedy it's mm. a bar oh but and you're the background i'm the background mm. no one's there to listen to comedy yeah. uh and the only other people that are the only people that are there listening to comedy are other comedians oh. and so that's not my crowd right. although i like all the comics mm-hmm. so there there are things you can tell you look on the internet and it's a place where the uh, there's no stage. There's just like a yeah. a carpet, uh, a rug over in the corner. <laughs> now I've done a couple places that only have that, and they were yeah. great clubs. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. But if I look on the internet and I can see there's, there's sports on the big screen TV, and I I look at all the pictures of the club I can yeah. find, and then you get to know other comics, and they'll tell you, oh, this one was a dud, or this is a good club, or mm-hmm. you know, comics are really generous. And mm-hmm. I have a group of uh, guys that I started at the same time I did, and we're all very different, very different. Mm-hmm. But we meet once a quarter, 
and mm, we workshop idea. each other's material, and we're accountable really? to the wow. I was just going to say, so have you had cool. anybody wow, take any of your really jokes? Cool. Like, like you've seen something on YouTube or whatever. You're like, hey, that's my joke. Or, oh, have you no, had that it is not done. Okay, great. Mm. You, you, mm-hmm. you would make enemies... Really? So mm-hmm. everyone knows about that. No, everyone knows if you're not if you're telling someone else's joke, mm-hmm. it would not be done. But wow. I've made these for comics that I know mm-hmm. and we keep accountable to each other, these business plans. Wow. And, wow. Great. and we help each other. Boy, that is so cool. I, I know. I, I'm just thinking the entertainment. I know. Musicians, it's like the musicians. That I would be want to do that with my music friends. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, and just even having a business, consultant like yeah. this with a yeah. business plan like that. Mm-hmm. That's a. It, that wheels that's are a turning. Track. <laughs> no, it really keeps yes, on track. little Jackie. I know. <laughs> no, but seriously, because no, I am 100. I'm like, okay, when do we schedule? Can I schedule an appointment? And I, I'll <laughs> look at it and today. say, I'll look at it and say, oh my gosh, I've been so busy, I forgot about that. How did I not? How did I forget about that? And then it'll remind me that's the next thing I need to do is start. And I network. I'm like ridiculously proper. Uh, after a show, um, I will the next Monday. I send a handwritten thank you note that's to the booker, mm. and that just doesn't happen anymore. No, but that's the way I was raised, and so yeah. they remember that. Um, I don't text in text speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I use full mm-hmm. sentences and proper punctuation. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how many people will respond, wow, I sure appreciate your professionalism. Or, you know, I have a question set when someone uh, asked me to do a show. I have a set of questions I send, just a cut and paste set of questions Mm -hmm. about, you know, what time, who's my contact, what's the information, do you have lighting, how high is the stage, how far, you know, what's your typical crowd. I have like 20 questions. And people really um, who are, you know, I don't want to say lower on the ladder. That's not what I mean. But some people don't appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And then you get to where people are professional bookers mm-hmm. and they'll come back and say, wow, I sure appreciate oh, your sure. professionalism. Mm-hmm. Right. I know you're going to be on time, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. So do you see a manager in your future or are you still you're going to? Oh, to- please. Anyone who's listening, <laughs> please. I'm begging you. Because you do all your booking yeah, right now, just, right? You're, yeah. Yeah, I do all my advance work. I do all the booking. I hustle. Like if I'm, if I know I'm going to the West Coast, which I do four or five, six times a year, um, then I'll just contact tons and tons and tons of clubs saying, I'm going to be in town. Here's my clips, you know, send them my Mm. video clips. I'm going to be in town this date, this date. Um, I'd like a show. What have you got? And so I'll hustle for months. How do you negotiate money? I'm sorry. No, that's okay. And I'm I'm not asking you how much. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying how you're not scared to negotiate pay. No, and sometimes I don't get paid. Okay, but if that show has a purpose for me, right? I'm okay with that. How you decide if it's and and most times mm -hmm. I do get paid. But one of my questions that I send is, "What's the compensation?" Okay, and Mm -hmm. mostly what I hear back is. You'd be surprised how often no one asks. Mm. Well, because if we're going to pay them, entertainment—that's yeah. pretty typical. Yeah. When people yeah. don't ask, right? And I have found I that I do people. a lot of shows where um, I have realized in our conversation with in my conversation with the other comics that I'm the only one getting paid. Oh wow! Mm. And it's because I'm the only one when who asked. asked. Yeah. Mm. Oh wow! What's been the the highlights so far of this journey? What, like the best show that you've done, where you said I'm on the right track. This mm-hmm. is what I want to do. Well, I think the highlight for me is a place. It's Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle, which oh, if you if you live here, you just take take. It's like living next to Yosemite, you know, which I did. You just take it for granted. It's like it, it, you don't see it as a huge deal. Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle is a huge deal. It's right here in Royal Oak. Uh, it is the premier comedy club in Michigan. And um, I was so uh, excited and honored to be asked to just do an open mic there uh, a couple of months ago. For me, that was a huge deal. And at the end of it, they invite – at the end of the mic um, – I stayed around and I shook everyone in the audience's hand. I thanked them for coming. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I welcomed them and I could see the manager, you know, over in the corner looking at me and I thought, Oh, I'm either doing something really wrong mm-hmm. or really yeah. right. I don't know, but that's just my way. I thanked everyone for coming and it's a huge place. And uh, so I stayed like an extra 45 minutes and afterwards they offered me to come back and host the show. Wow. wow. Really? And tonight audience. 
That's what I'm doing. I'm hosting oh at Mark Ridley's. You're at tonight? Tonight at wow. Mark Ridley's, 310 mm. South Troy Avenue, Royal Oak, There Michigan. you go. Yeah. What time's the show start? It starts at... I think it's, I think it says seven, but I think it actually starts at seven fifteen or seven thirty. Not sure. Okay. Um, but to be asked to, I mean, all the, every famous comic has played there, wow. so it's a little overwhelming to walk backstage into the green room mm, in the hallway, yeah. and see everyone's signatures on the wall. Wow. And so, um, I, I, to, so for to, to, for me, the highlight of the entire journey is. Tonight. Tonight. Oh, oh wow. good for you. How long That's is your great. set? Well, I'm hosting. So, oh, you're hosting. So you just, a host yeah. has a very particular job. Oh, like you're, an MC? Right. Sort of? Mm-hmm. Right. Oh. So your job really isn't to be funny. It's to it's it's a plus if you're a little bit funny, but your job is to make the show run really well, mm-hmm. make the make sure the audience has a good time and make sure all the comics look good. Wow. That's your job is to serve the other comics mm-hmm. and work for the house. So the the comics work for the audience, but you work for the show, okay. and so it's a, it's a huge honor. I'm beyond excited. Wow! Congratulations. Okay, wait, are there tickets? <laughs> yeah, tickets at the door. Okay, it's a big place, so you yeah. But she's not doing trouble. comedy. I know. I well, don't no, care. I will. I, I will do a short set to start. I will do comedy. Oh. But right, not I'd a long rather, set. You have other stuff planned in Detroit, I think, right? I do. Okay, I, do. I know. Stuff. Go to the website. Come <laughs> to, yeah, go to the website. But come to Ridley's because tonight is going to be even even the first time comics at Ridley's are among the best you'll see. Wow. They've worked on it forever. They've got their A game. You just don't get invited there unless you're on top of your game. Yeah. So even the very first time comics there are really good it's a great show and a great venue so how do you balance everything you do yeah. uh what's well, priority right now my husband is always my first priority oh. um making sure he's happy making sure that you know i have i have a great home life we live on a lake and and uh we have two golden doodles and mm-hmm. and uh so i've only been married a couple of years and so making sure he's happy and that everything I do is good with him and, and Does he adds go to, to the our shows? happiness. Most of the time, yes. Yeah. Uh, he's a deputy sheriff on Mondays. So if I have a Sunday night show, he doesn't go because yeah. he has to get up really early. Okay. And he's also like he's on the planning commission and the tax mm-hmm. review board and the oh, hospital geez. board of directors. And <laughs> oh, so wow. he's got yeah, – his... he's very civic-minded. He's mm-hmm. got a lot of stuff going on. So he goes when he can. But I have a couple of girlfriends who always go with me. Uh, when he's not, uh, they call themselves my road bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and, I love it. Um, so they, they help me with everything I need, you know. Now, were there any challenges at all? Because you, you got into this a little bit later in life. Um, so did your age hurt you or help you? I think it really helps. I mean, I do too. I was just going to say, you know, I'm yeah. six feet tall in shoes. I've got a mess of great big white hair. Um, I'm 63 years old. Uh, I'm a curvy girl. You know, there's a lot that makes me distinctive. And I also think at my age, you know a lot of stuff about a lot of stuff. Right. And I think all that, that life experience that we have has made it easier for me. Right. Because I, my life isn't on the line if somebody says no. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I went into a club, uh, actually, uh, at, in my hometown, I went into a, the comedy club and told them I'd like to uh, open the show. Mm-hmm. I'll open the show for free. Just mm-hmm. give me a chance. And the booker looked right at me and said, I don't like female comics. I don't wow. hire them. Are you serious? Wow. And you know what? I'm like, okay. Hey, have a great day. I, You're the I subject have, of my next yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> I have no, uh, I have no skin in the game, you know? Yeah. It's like, like me, great. Don't like me. That's okay. You be you. Yeah. Doesn't wow. matter. She'll be like pretty woman when she goes, big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have had people who said no who now are, uh-huh. you know, oh, after sure. me to say yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Price just went up. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the book. Oh, my book actually, I was just uh, preparing. To, my book is called Always Paint Naked. Because it's a I love that. part advice book, and that's one of the pieces of advice I give. Is this all about being transparent? <clears throat> it's the book is um, humorous essays, stories of my life, biographical material, and advice. 
Oh, fun. Interspersed. Mm-hmm. And one of the pieces of advice I give is always paint naked. You know, I mean, close the curtains, but yeah. <laughs> so, um, but the book is on the back burner now. I was just finishing it up and sending it to my, getting ready to send it to my beta readers. I have a lot of friends who are published authors. And comedy got so busy. Mm. Wow. So busy. And a couple of uh, friends who are uh, highly published authors said, Stop the books. Just stop, 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 stop. You're going way too fast. Put it on the back burner and give it, you know, another six months or a year till you can get back to it. And that was really took the pressure off me because I was feeling like I was juggling all these balls mm. and I'm all in the air oh, and I was waiting sure. for them to come down, you know. So that kind of took the pressure off. So the book's on the back burner right now. Okay. Um, but I will get back to that and get it out. Yeah, well, we're going to have you year. back on yes. when that book yeah. comes out. <laughs> no, we are. I, I, I want some of the advice. See, I, when I read the title, Always Paint Naked, I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> I know hell I'm yeah. always naked. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, when, when I read it, I thought to myself, after reading her story, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, this has to be about being able – because to me, standing mm-hmm. up and doing comedy, I would feel – like I would feel if I was standing in a room naked. Like yeah. it would be that, yeah. you know. So I took it as, I oh, bet it's about transparency and don't hide behind anything. Oh, that's and- good. Well, I am pretty transparent. What One of the projects that I have in my mind, in my little plan, is I would love for me and five other comics or eight other comics to take a group of people who have never done comedy Mm. And don't in, look at us. In one week, <laughs> I'll be there. In one week, transform them all into stand-up comedians. Oh my god! To do like a three-minute or four-minute. That would set. be a great yeah. reality. I was show. just thinking that. I would, would love to do that. Just take that's what everyday people and make give them one week. <laughs> yeah. and, you got three right here. And it's interesting on. to think how they'd sound because comics are so different. No you know, yeah. you'd have a same kind of style as the person who trained you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because anyone can do this. It's but you really do, you think you so? get a performance review about every you know thirty seconds, so it's tough. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I did yeah. improv once, and it yeah. was the scariest shit I've ever done in my life. And I've yeah, been performing since I was yeah, five. So you're always <laughs> on stage, though. In front it's of totally people. different. I see yeah. that talking is my least favorite part of the job. Mm-hmm. So for me, that is like the scariest. Yeah, thing yeah. ever. Well, so. improv is I mean, improv is the brain surgery of comedy. I mean, it's now. Have you taken improv classes? And are you have you taken any just self taught? Yeah, I have internet. never taken a class. In fact, I, I did a radio show a couple of weeks ago, and they said, "Well, what comics do you listen to?" And I was like, so embarrassed. I've never listened to any other comics. I just learned what a podcast is. <laughs> I'm like calling my kids. I've been invited to a podcast. How do I make this? How do I work this? Where do I, how does this, what is this? You know, how do I find this? And it's like, I went to a social media class because I had to start handling all my social media. And she said, okay, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to take selfies. And I didn't know how my camera, I didn't know how my phone took a so selfie. So you got naked. <laughs> I really had she to, you know, it. get naked. Yeah. So, um, no, I, I really don't, uh, I, I, I would love to listen to other comics. I just haven't made the time. I mean, yeah. I really haven't since Mort Saul and Bob Newhart. I haven't listened to anybody else. <laughs> Bob Newhart. You I love Bob Newhart. Is. I know. Yeah, she does. All these well, guys were done before you know, yeah. y'all were born. So, so listen, you know, I know a lot of people in their 50s and 60s that um, they're thinking about their focus is retirement because they think it's too late to reinvent themselves or do something different. What advice would you give them? Mm. Well, um, I can just tell you from my own experience, I've never thought about retirement because, A, I never had any money, and B, <laughs> B because I haven't worked the same job all these years, so I never had that kind of a timeline in my mind. Mm-hmm. It's For me, my life has always been, oh, what's the next new shiny thing? You know, wow. squirrel, rainbow. I mean, <laughs> what's the next thing? So I, I've just never had that uh, mindset. Yeah. Um, and retirement is great. But what all retirement means is is stopping what you've been doing, not stopping everything you can do. Right, right. And there's That's a million true. things. I had my kids really late. Uh, I'm 63, and my kids are all in their early and mid 20s. So I, I think that kind of kept me young. But yeah, I, I've always been just hey, what's the next new thing? Oh, I always wanted to do that. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I think that mindset is what. You know, everyone's got so many talents that they never use. Right. It's true. They never use. And the older you get, 
the easier it is actually to put those talents into play mm. because you have the wisdom to uh, direct yourself in a little bit better way. If I'd known when I was 20 what I know today, I'd have gone to college and become a public landscape architect. You know, when you drive down the freeway and you think, <laughs> oh, how everything just flows. There's these for half a mile and then these for two miles and these are short and these are tall. I'd have done that. That would be my passion is public landscaping. But I didn't and I'm not going to at this age. Not that I couldn't, but it would yeah. be, you know, a waste of my time. So there's always something new you can do. There's, and, and if you have a talent that you've never pursued – Now's the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are they going to do? Throw you in jail if you don't yeah. do it well? Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I got no, nothing to lose here. Right. Right. So I, that's what people need to know. So what's next for you? What's the next shiny thing? Oh, the next shiny thing. Um, I think comedy is my last career because I'm still doing my organizing work. Right. I'm still doing business consulting. And so I will do comedy and go as far as I can with it. As long as my husband is happy. Mm -hmm. The day he says, I'm not having fun with this. Then you're done. I'm done. Literally okay. done. Mm -hmm. Because because my priorities are that that is absolutely first. Yeah. His happiness mm -hmm. first. Yeah. That's great. And everything else. You know, I could do comedy in the old folks' home someday. So. <laughs> that would be fun. Uh, I'll move to Florida and do comedy there. So where, where would you – oh, go ahead. What do your kids think of yeah, you and think of question. what you're doing? They, I, they have really surprised me. They're so proud. I bet. I, mean, I, cool. I would. Yeah. And I thought they oh, would yeah. be embarrassed, you know. And but, but but my kids, because they're my kids, have a really really high embarrassment threshold. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. You know, they're really just similar things. They're, <laughs> they're used to going. Oh, that's my mom. I'm sorry. <laughs> so they're really super proud of me, and they tell me that all the time. Aww. And my kids are so kind and so brainy. That I I just I got really lucky. You know, their dad was just so handsome, but dumb as a flipping rock <laughs> and uh and so they got his looks and my brains which with the opposite would have been a disaster you know so they it worked out <laughs> and they're all gorgeous and uh super smart oh, and that's so great. Uh, and and most of all the most the really important thing is they're very they're very kind they have wonderful hearts Aww, so i'm super cool. proud of them wonderful yeah. You guys, we're over. I know. Our time. Time. No way. Where'd the time go? Come on. I know. Yeah. I know. Impossible. That means we have to have you back, though. That's you know, right. I'm here all the time. That's but right. um, okay. So, how can people find you? Uh, go to SherrySavage.com. That's S H A R I. I'm sure my mother was still groggy when they brought the birth certificates <laughs> around. No idea why she did, did that to me. S H A R I S A V A G E. SherrySavage.com. Okay, and right. uh, we do have the link up on our page. We'll put it up again. And just for the record, her book, Always Paint Naked, is not released. We uh, we put that it was released, even though I couldn't find it. Couldn't find it because it wasn't released. So, Sherry, this was such a pleasure. It this really was. was. So much Thank fun. You. We got to have you back. Can't wait. And uh, please check out some of her YouTube stuff. It's so flippant. Hilarious. Funny. Hilarious. Right. Um, so, we're going to do the fortune cookies, but real quick, tomorrow night at seven o'clock, tune in. Rocky and Chad Pringle have a new podcast show called Dope Ass Dream Show. It's uh, tomorrow at seven o'clock on yep. Podcast Detroit. Yep. It's a really cool show. Um, and yeah, I think that's it for this. Okay. What's the, All right. let's do it. Always paint naked. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Go All ahead. right. So we're going to, so our cookies, we tossed our cookies in whatever way the prongs face. That meant that fortune was made for you. Um, and mine says your determination will bring you much success while painting naked. Oh. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Jess. Um, I have good news is on the way. Painting naked? Paint, well, yeah. Painting right? naked. Yeah. Well, Go ahead, naked. Sherry. The current year will bring you much happiness if you always paint naked. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> Your dearest wish will come true. Painting naked. Oh, <laughs> that's Terry's wish. <laughs> uh, you will soon receive an offer you cannot refuse. Painting naked. I doubt that. Yeah. I really doubt that. <laughs> Uh, we're going to close the show with Before I Die because Before I Die is so fitting for this show. 
before you die, do whatever you want. I mean, it's never too late. Yeah. Never yeah. too late. Thank you for listening to The Nooner Show. We appreciate your support, and we hope you get inspired to take a leap of faith. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nooner Show wherever you listen to podcasts. You can like us on Facebook, and you can follow us on Instagram at The Nooner Show. And remember, sometimes the only mode of transportation available is the leap of faith. Thanks for taking a leap of faith, and happy hump happy day. Happy hump day. Whoop, whoop.